So Rebbe Manners falls under this question of segregation of Lomi Chalei. It can't be used for the adult's communication. But that should be obvious. To use that as communication would not be okay. If the adults were careful not to talk in the room and they're just being left on in the baby's room and listening to it, that would be okay. Okay. We do be technically the same thing. Technically the same thing. It's it's not so much. It's a little bit different than this we discussed last week. For the following reason, there is somewhat of an ichle on that. Right? You want right, if, if the shalach crows, you want them to to hear them. There are other factors here as well that is for the tzaruch of the baby and for the well-being of the baby, which is also a factor as well. Sikresha, the lo by itself, and even sikresha may be better when it's for the baby. So for the baby's need, it would be okay to leave it on. Adults should make sure not to talk. It wouldn't make a difference. Right. What would be moved... Let's say you're going from room to room. Can we record the battery operator? It's fine. Yeah. Can I carry the yeah. other half with me? Yes, you can. It does. Right. So, I mean, getting to Zilzal technically yes, because it's only a Mukta question, and it's this is total. It's really a Mukta, which is permitted for Tzor Kufo, and you have a Tzor Kufo over here. So technically, it's permissible. Question of Zilzul Shabbos, that's getting into a question, and you know, a person technically can carry a phone on them on Shabbos, you know, and out, you know, and we try to avoid the Zilzul Shabbos aspect. If it doesn't look degrading to Shabbos, it's not covered Shabbos, so it probably would be proper if, if necessary just to leave it in a place. And this is also really when there's a real Torah for it, you know, if, if you can, if there's a concern about, not, concerned about not hearing the baby without it, and there's a particular concern about that, that would make a mutter. If there's not a big deal to use without it. It's really part of it. Part of it's based on the fact that it's a tzoruch for the child. So we need the tzoruch level. So we're trying to minimize the zilzal shabbos by doing the less you can involved. That certainly is. That's why the video is more of a zilzal shabbos issue. We mentioned last week that having a video, you know, playing, which is recording and people watching, is gets into this. Not. Having the screen open or screen exposed would be better, yes. Yeah, which is similar to mentioned last week by turning off the screen of a security camera. It's certainly less of an issue in terms of covered Shabbos and Zilzal Shabbos. It would be preferable to do that. So, here also. Okay, I mentioned we'll see other examples of psychration, et cetera, as we go along in other malachas. I want to really just share one more introduction to the malachas, then we'll start the actual malachas themselves. And that is the devices versus the Rabbanans. We'll see, Mitzvah Shem, as we go along, many of the Malachas have aspects which are Rabbanan under the Malacha, which means Malacha itself obviously is Daraisa. Many of these things are Rabbanan. I want to just give a little background and perspective on the idea of Rabbanans in general. We were learning this recently in school and talking about some of the far-fetched or seemingly far-fetched Gzairus the Chazal made. One of the girls asked about the idea of swimming on Shabbos, which we know is about perhaps a person might build a raft, which certainly sounds very far-fetched in today's day for sure. Even in the days of old, the person swims, comes to build a raft. It seems to be somewhat of a stretch in certain situations the Chazal were concerned about. 
And we'll see many of the Rabbanans seem to have that aspect where Chazal were concerned about something which may be a stretch. And there's a few points to, to mention on that. I want to mention one point from a Hashkafa perspective and then a few points from a Halachic perspective, which I think will give some understanding behind it. There's a marshal which I've used in, in the past in this context of a train and a train crossing. A person comes to a train crossing and there's a bar and there's lights that flash and there's often a buzzer. There's many things that are there to make sure that a person doesn't go on while the train is coming. And they don't take chances and they usually the bar comes down a significant amount of time before the train even comes and it goes up after the train passes. They don't take any chances and again the buzzer and the lights and the, there's many things that are taken into account to make sure that nothing actually will happen. And the reason is they're dealing with life and death. Person ends up on those tracks, obviously dealing with life and death, and they don't t- take any chances in those situations. What Chazal, in their infinite wisdom, had the ability to see is that every potential Avera, and Shabbos in particular, is life and death. And the difference between us and Chazal is not that they were more worried, is they understood more what the issue was. They understood more what the concern was. It wasn't they were being anxiety-ridden and trying to create this concept that, who knows, maybe someone in a far-fetched case will end up doing something wrong. If they actually understood the homer, the, the severity of what it means transgressing Shabbos and the possibility of that and what we want to do to avoid that happening. When, if we would understand that perspective that it's life and death, we would also treat it with that seriousness. A person has the very, very far-reaching or far-fetched potential of doing something which life and death, no chance is taken. And Chazal had that same perspective in terms of Malachah Daraisa, of Shabbos, and really any Yisui Daraisa. The fences they created around them were very much based on this understanding that there is something which is so serious and so severe and such a concern that they weren't willing to take any chances. That's part of the perspective. The other part of the perspective, from a more halachic perspective, is that Chazal in general gave a reason for many of the Durabanans. There wasn't the full reason. There wasn't the only reason. They gave a, a reason behind it. For example, we mentioned before, swimming on Shabbos, which may come to build a raft. Was that the only reason they were concerned about? I would assume not. It's probably not so, it doesn't sound so Shabbistic that a person spends their day on Shabbos swimming. But they gave some a concrete reason, which may have been primal relevant in the days of old, maybe less relevant today, and that's something which they were particularly concerned about as far as a concrete reason. But there's certainly other reasons, and there many, could be many other reasons in every malacha. And therefore, the reasons that are given, sometimes we can think of other reasons potentially, sometimes not. But certainly we have to understand there's certainly way beyond, in terms of the wisdom of Chazal, of understanding what the possible concerns may be. So someone from a Hashkafa perspective, in terms of what they were concerned about and why they were more concerned than perhaps we are, and also in terms of the, the halachic concerns potentially which may be relative. I think it's just an important perspective in Durabanans in general and how Chazal view them. Okay, so those are our two introductions to Malachi. We spoke about last week about Sekresha and how that applies, and this idea and a perspective in Durabanans. I'm going to start with the first Malacha. Our goal is Hashem is to go through all 39 Malachos and focus primarily on the practical application of them. There are certainly many things which are less practical and less relevant, certainly in today's day and age. I'm going to try to focus on the practical applications of each malach, how we can pull out something which is 
particularly relevant today. So the first malachah we'll discuss, which really is the first one of the malachos, is choresh, which is plowing. Now choresh is the first of the steps called sudur de pas. Sudur de pas means the seder, the order of pas. The first 11 malachos all deal with the preparation of bread. Bread is the example given, really refers to really any other food could be fit into this category. Most things are going to have plowing and planting and cutting, etc. But Chazal particularly focused on the pas, which was made in the Mishkan, simply by the lacham by the bread that was made in the Mishkan, is the example that Chazal is referring to. And the first 11 malachas deal with the seder of pas, the preparation of bread. And the first one, obviously, is plowing. Now, each malacha has a yisod, has a sort of is, is the concept, the, the foundation of the malacha, what it means. And the reason why it's crucial to focus on the yisod is because based on the yisod, we can see how it extrapolates from there, besides the actual case the Chazal are talking about, to extrapolate other cases. So each malacha has a yisod, what that concept is, and then we'll see how to apply it beyond the actual cases of Chazal. So the yisod of Choresh is really preparing the ground for planting. And we'll see there are other aspects of it as well. Plowing is the primary way of preparing the ground for planting. Obviously, it was taken by chopping up the ground, usually with a plow. It could be sometimes with a tool, sometimes with other, even by hand, potentially. And the goal is to make the ground softer, which makes it suitable for dropping a seed inside and having it grow. That's the main concept of Chorish and how it's, how it's done. And I want to discuss different aspects of Chorish and how would that apply today. Obviously, most of us don't farm and don't have really farming as part of our regular Shabbos activity. And the question, therefore, is we would plowing potentially be relevant in today's day and age, and how is it possible to apply? So the first case we mentioned actually last week is the Gemara's famous case of Sikresha is actually a case of dragging the bench across the yard. And that's the case that Chazal give, which is certainly relevant today as much as it was ever, person taking any heavy piece of furniture and dragging it across the yard. So it could be a bench, it could be a table, it could be a lawn chair, and dragging that across the yard. Obviously, in the process, there's certainly either may or for sure going to dig a furrow in the ground as I'm dragging it. If I'm lifting it up, obviously it won't be an issue. But if it's being dragged on the ground, it may dig into the ground and dig a furrow. That is chorish. Now, it's fascinating because the person has no intention to plant. But at the end of the day, the episode was the ground is being prepared for planting. Whether I wanted to plant or not is really irrelevant. The ground is more prepared for planting than it was before now, because until now the ground was packed and it was hard and it was impossible to drop a seed in there, and now it's possible. Now it is possible to drop a seed in there and have it plant, and have it grow, which wasn't relevant until now. And that's why Chorish would apply. So, these, so it is getting the ground ready, whether you plant the plant or not. So we mentioned last week, the basic rule of dragging something across the ground would depend on whether it's a psychration, whether it's for sure going to dig a furrow. If it's heavy enough, that there's no question that if you has enough pressure on the ground that as you drag it, it will dig into the ground, that is also to drag that on Shabbos. It would need to be picked up. Someone has to have someone else pick it up with you. It cannot be dragged across the ground. If it may or may not, which means it's not so heavy and it won't necessarily d- dig deep into the ground and make a little small line in the ground, but not really dig into the ground, that's going to be mutter, and that's not actually preparing the ground for planting, and that would be okay. So it really depends. Most things which are heavy, too heavy to pick up are going to be an issue, because they're going to drag and make it far into the ground, which would be an issue. That's one practical case, a very simple case, something which certainly may be relevant in the backyard, front yard, etc. That's fine. 
Yeah, it's a good it's a good solution. Turn it upside down and just drag the let's say picking table and drag it. Nothing's gonna happen. It won't. Might flatten out some grass, which is fine. But as far as the actual digging, you won't dig. Yeah. So really, the, what's digging is the sharp parts, which you're going to dig. If you don't have the sharp parts, no issue with that. That's number one. Number two, which is equally as relevant, is pushing a stroller. Push, pushing a stroller through dirt. Right, for sure, backyard, front yard, we'll you know, look after the stroller, you'll see tracks right, that the stroller is creating. A wheelchair will be the same thing. Anything similar to that that would push down the dirt as you're wheeling it across. Is it permissible to push a baby stroller or a wheelchair or anything of that nature through dirt on Shabbos, which will seemingly create the same thing, create the same concept of creating now a furrow in the ground. There's a furrow in this ground which is now being created as you're pushing the wheels through. It's rolling through. And the Gemara discusses that. Is that permissible? Can one wheel something through dirt on Shabbos which will ultimately create? And you look at it, you'll see clearly, you see the tracks in there which clearly are creating that. Now, obviously, if it's very compressed and very hard dirt, it won't do anything. That's okay. But assuming the ground is not that hard, is that permissible on Shabbos? So the Gemara says a very interesting rule which when we understand the sort of Chorish, it's very logical. Chorish is getting the ground ready for planting. The goal of Chorish, the goal of plowing, is always to dig and soften the ground, which means you can now drop a seed in, and it'll be able to go and penetrate into the ground. When a person, pu- when a person pushes, whether it's a stroller or a wheelchair, anything which has wheels, it doesn't actually allow the seed to penetrate. All it does is press the ground further down into it. It presses ground further, and in fact, it actually makes it harder. All it's really doing is compressing soil. It's not digging up soil. Chorish always needs that the soil is being dug up, which softens it, and allows something to be going, going inside. If it just compresses it and pushes it down in the same spot, if you took a seed and dropped it in the line of the stroller, nothing would happen to it. It would just sit there, because it actually is not penetrating into the ground. It has to penetrate into the ground, which is cracked open, which you would do if you take a sharp tool or take a leg of a bench, and you would drag it through, it would dig up the ground and allow the seed now to penetrate into the ground. Being that compressing the soil doesn't do that, there is certainly no concerns, not at all an issue on Shabbos, to push something, even though you see marks in the ground, you see it technically where it's, it's going in the ground and doing something, but it's compressing as opposed to digging up. And that's a very important distinction in how Chorish applies. It only applies to digging that into compressing. That's the second rule the Gemara says vis-a-vis Chorish. Yeah. Technically, yeah, I mean, there might be for a stake in the ground. It does dig into the ground. You did prepare for planting. I mean, right now there's no access to it. But you made it ready for planting. Well, it hap- the ground did get prepared for planting as soon as you stuck it inside. You may not have access to get it in now because it's just something blocking it. So it doesn't sound like when you lift back up. That's what I thought. Like, right. Well, it's... it's as soon as you make the hole in the ground, it now has a place to go into. So everybody will be or just the act of making the hole, mm-hmm. even though there's no access, you just you blocked it. But it's still, the, the hole's there. And the hole's made and the hole actually is ready for planting. Is it just like mud, like a yard, or is it like on a concrete? Sometimes it gets like red muddy here. Right. So, like if I'm going over a driveway and it's muddy, but 
there's concrete right under it or asphalt. Like, it's not. Oh, he's saying, can you, right, so that's a good point. Right? That wouldn't, it couldn't apply if there's concrete underneath because you can't grow anything there. So even though it's right, even though, so even though it's I muddy. Know, like I might be digging up, but like, Let, let's the mud. right. Let's say you're moving the mud and think right, no, but nothing's happening beyond moving mud. Right. right? It couldn't. Couldn't exactly. Okay. It couldn't right. There's concrete underneath. It's a good point. There's another, based on the soil, getting the ground ready for planting. There's no ground being ready for planting. So and there's mud. no correct. So mud by itself. You, I mean, you can't plant the mud in, just right. in the mud. Right? It needs nutrients. It needs right? it needs the ground itself. So mud sitting on top of concrete would not be an issue of chodesh. Another good example. Sandbox, whether it's for children or otherwise, someone playing in the sandbox or using a sandbox or moving things in a sandbox. Sandbox number one is not a place for growing. You can't really grow things in sand, and sand not, doesn't have nutrients to be able to grow things in them, which itself precludes any issue of chorish in a sandbox. Furthermore, even if a child makes a hole in a sandbox, as soon as you make the hole, it falls back right inside. And those are two reasons why a sandbox, even though I'm digging in a sandbox, or digging generally would be exactly what Chorish is, would not be an issue of Chorish. Number one, sand, can't plant in sand. Number two is the sand goes right back inside, which obviously fills up the hole as soon as you move it away, and therefore they would not really in any way prepare the ground for planting, and there would not be an issue. So that's the third potential Chorish situation, which is totally permissible, not an issue at all. There's another fascinating halacha, which we'll see if it, if it applies at all today. The Gemara says is Xerud Drabanan, here's the first example of a classic Drabanan of Chorish, that you're not allowed to sweep the ground because of the possibility you might, as a result of, of sweeping around, move things around. You move off when you sweep, let's say, certainly outside in, in, in dirt, if you swept the dirt itself, you would potentially move dirt around, and make it more suitable for planting. Okay, most people probably don't sweep the dirt anyway, not something you normally would sweep, but the Gemara takes it one step further, and says that because you might come to sweep the dirt, you actually can't even sweep non-dirt. Meaning, let's say you have concrete, right, which would be outside, or potentially even inside. The Gemara says a very fascinating thing, they used to have dirt floors, very commonly a dirt floor inside their homes. And actually sweeping inside a dirt floor is actually not chorish, because people don't really plant inside their homes. They don't plant on their dirt floors. But the Gemara says it's related to chorish. It's actually part of bone, which is building. That means you're making your house, you're perfecting your house, you're going to smooth out the dirt in your house. And the Gemara says it's bone, so in your house it's bone, outside is chorish, but they're very similar, related to each other in terms of how it's being performed. It's a different function. Bone is for building and chorish is for planting. But the Gemara says that the same action inside will be bone, outside will be chorish. And the Gemara says the same zero would apply. The same way you can't sweep the dirt floor in your home, you also can't sweep the non-dirt floor in your home. Why? Because of a concern, you may come to mix up and switch and confuse. If I can sweep the dirt floor, I also can sweep the non-dirt floor. And the Gemara says it's also to sweep there for the non-dirt floor as well, which would come out, it would seem to be, that's also to sweep floors today. However, the post can say that that only was true when the majority of the homes weren't made from dirt. I'm sorry, were from dirt. I'm sorry, were from dirt. That's when the Xavier would apply. Once you have the majority of the homes being made from concrete or wood or carpet, whatever the floor may be, 
at that point the gzeir is no longer relevant because the whole concern was you'll easily come to confuse the dirt with the non-dirt if the majority of the homes don't have dirt floors. And you also don't have a dirt floor, and therefore the house is like most of our homes, if not all of our homes, is going to be wood or whatever the material is, not a dirt floor, therefore that's permissible. And therefore the reason why a person can't sweep inside, even though in times of Chazal, it wasn't, and should not just Chazal, going back right, 100 years ago in Europe, dirt floors were very common. And probably the average house was a dirt floor. Certainly in the shtetl in Poland, it was probably all dirt floors and mostly dirt floors. A person was not allowed to sleep the, sweep the floor even if they didn't have a dirt floor. If they, had, they were the rich person in town, they had the wooden floor, they still couldn't sweep their floor because the gzera, since most of the homes in the town were actually dirt, it was also to sweep the floor. So it just fascinating gzera, which just pretty recently somewhat, somewhat expired, not totally expired, I mean, probably still in many countries, it's still that way, third world countries, but it's interesting that Chazal did make this dependent upon is the majority of the homes in the city dirt or not dirt. Now, the one place that still may be relevant is outside. Is can a person sweep outside? Because outside, still obviously most of our outside is dirt. Much of it is, may not be dirt, there's plenty of concrete and plenty of things which aren't dirt. Much of it's dirt. The post can discuss, can a person actually sweep outside their house? You have a patio, you have steps outside. It's a mutter to sweep there. Since there is much of it is dirt, is that permissible to sweep there? So in the houses, we know that it's no longer an issue because everything is that we, at least in our, in our society, is all non-dirt floors. But in places where it is much still relevant to dirt floors, like outside, can a person sweep there? So it really depends. Postcom say the differentiate between where it, where it is outside. If it's off the house, meaning it's still connected to the house, like steps or like a patio, which is off the house, that is the same status of the house itself. We look, at, we look at that as an extension of the home, and since the home is majority going to have concrete or wood or floors that are not dirt floors, it's also permissible to sweep outside as long as it's still connected to the house. If a person had a patch, let's say a patch of concrete, a, a deck which was removed from the house, just, so, what? A driver which wasn't connected to the house. It means once it's, I mean, if it's off, most drivers are connected to the house. Right? That means it has to be that there's something removed from the house itself. Once it's removed, so what? A gazebo. A gazebo, right? A gazebo would be something which is separate, right? It's like it's like its, like its own thing. So a freestanding sukkah might might freestanding sukkah on a patch of what? A patch of like of concrete. Right, so the postman do say that once, once it's the, the lane that's connected to the house, it's like off the house, it's leading up to the house, that would get the same halakha. So often it's leading to the garage, or it's leading, but if it would be something which was not necessarily. Oh, let's right. see, there's a patio in the backyard. Right, patio in the backyard. Right, right, right. So I walk in front, which is disconnected. We don't know what it is in Cincinnati. We don't have sidewalks, <laughs> but right. Right. Like in my parents' neighborhood, right. I'm in front of Gabai. Like that whole yeah, right, right, right. Yes, that that. So part of your correct. House. It's not part of the house. It's not, part of your it's house. not leading up to the house. It's really. If someone has set the bear, they wouldn't be allowed to. Lachar, lachar, not. Right. Put, what if they put their own floor, like some people put like a wood floor? Still wouldn't. Still wouldn't help. Still right, because again, the xeru was something which is outside. outside, which is therefore something you may confuse with the dirt outside. That's going to be an issue. What a tra- what Wonderful. A trampoline. Very nice. 
trampoline is high up. Okay, if you actually sweep that, sweep it, right? Sweep with it, with it, with the roof. Does it come through? Right. Interesting. So you have a floor, which is really right. 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 Because you can. It's like its own really reality. Chazal didn't have such a reality, right? That a person has something off the ground, right? Which was. Right. So right. So right. we can't really make our own gzera. So it is something which I think is so different. And because I was talking about sweeping the ground, I don't think this would, this was almost like sweeping a keli. Right, it's a big keli, but it's sweeping a utensil which is stuck in the middle of the backyard, just very big. I don't think it would apply to that. One thing I think if that's the status of the utensil doesn't have a status of a home or a floor. It's not a floor really. Right, it's really something which is independent of the floor. It's off the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that would be okay. Right, but something, so it can apply again. It's not that common, but it does still apply in certain situations. All those cases are going to be uh, because they might get confused with dirt outside. It's interesting that washing floors really gets into this issue as well. Washing floors is similar to sweeping floors in many ways. Washing it can, especially if it was dirt, move things around. Doesn't this doesn't sound so practical to wash a dirt floor, but they would they probably would use some minimal water and do something along those lines and try to sweep things around. That's hard to imagine it, and, you know. But it was something along those lines. But it's interesting that the hetter that we just mentioned about washing of about, I'm sorry, about sweeping floors inside of a home, that since most of the houses in the city are either stone or car, or carpet or wood, is it doesn't apply to washing, and Anyways, washing is other issues, often is squeezing and other, using a map. Even if it wasn't those issues, for example, using a sponge stick, right, the way they do in Eretz Yisrael, right, washing floor is not permissible on Shabbos, and the reason is that sweeping, Chazal sort of made this, 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 this exception, as long as most of the house in the city are not wood, I'm sorry, not dirt, it's okay. They didn't do that for washing, and the reason being is because washing wasn't as much of a necessity as sweeping. Washing is something that's not done all the time as much as sweeping is, which is a basic chore in the house. And therefore, Chazal didn't make this exception. And even if most of the houses in the city were going to be non-dirt floors, they still didn't allow washing of the floor. And that's why washing would not be something permissible. Even if you avoid the the squeezing issues, you don't use the mop, you don't use anything which is going to be squeezed, it would still not be permissible to wash a floor on Shabbos for this reason. Spraying a small amount of a floor and just cleaning a small is not considered washing a floor. That's okay. That's basically just taking a small s- section and not doing what you would normally do to a floor. And let's say there was a stain on the floor, you wanted to just switch it and, and spray it with some cleaning agent and, and wipe it down. That would be okay. But the actual act of cleaning a floor, the way a person would do the entire floor, that is not permissible on Shabbos, even when a person has a regular non-dirt floor, and even when the majority of the homes in the city are not, not dirt. So it's a very fascinating distinction between sweeping and washing, and it's really based on the same xera, with an exception being made for sweeping, no exception being made for washing. Okay, just one other example, which is probably uh, s- simple, but it's just to extend it one, one step further, anything that would enrich the soil 
would be actually part of Chorish, which is interesting that Chorish, where does that fit under? Because Chorish, as we said, is in prepares, and part of preparation is also doing things that enhance the soil. Fertilizer, as an example, putting out on Shabbos, if you ask them which malacha that falls under, most people wouldn't say Chorish of plowing. It actually falls under plowing because it's helping prepare the ground for the sake of growing, growing it better, etc. And therefore that would be something which is totally going to be an issue similar to any other preparation of the ground. Do what? Yeah, high, I mean, high hills, it goes into the same thing of compressing soil. Yeah, it only compresses. Right, right. Maybe if someone, unless someone dra- drags the hill, right, they can actually... Right. What? Right, if, if the hole, if it makes a hole and the hole actually goes into the ground, that's going to be an issue. But it's not, you don't right. want to. Right, like, does that matter? That right, well, it's, it's a psychratia. Back to the rule of psychratia. But you're really trying not to, because if someone's doing well, that when they're walking, it's uncomfortable. Right, so right. I, it's, well, it's uncomfortable to wear them in the first place. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm assuming so. I never, I've never done that, but I'm assuming it's very uncomfortable. It's, 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 it looks excruciating. Right, like you really don't want them to fall. To but it's psychratia. Back to the rule of psychratia. Like okay, right. if it wasn't a then it would be okay. <laughs> if it wasn't a psychration, that... Right. So if it, if it wasn't, right, if you did it in a way that there wasn't a psychration that it would dig into the ground, that's going to be okay. That's what parenting does. Okay, fine. That wouldn't be a psychration. But if it would be a psychration that digs into the ground, an actual hole, that would be an issue. Regular, if it wasn't something that would dig in, it would just make a little indentation, that's compressing. That's the same thing. Right, like the stroller. So walking with regular shoes that... Right, it depends how sharp how sharp it was. Right. 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 Would it would it actually dig into it or not? Right. Right. So that would depend if it was. But if it was digging actually a hole in there, and the person walked by and there's a hole actually after where they walked, that's that's mamish courage. And if if it's a psikrasha, we also to wear the to wear those shoes because of psikrasha of making holes as a person's walking. But maybe one step that she took. That's fine. That's, that's fine. Like yeah, because we're percent. So if it was less than ninety percent of it happening, then it's going to be okay. Right. That's why you wear right. <laughs> <laughs> So nine out of ten times, it's going to happen. That actually a hole will be made to be an issue, which is if, you, if you're walking away, which wasn't, it wouldn't have been nine out of ten times. Right. Yeah. Um, so in terms of fertilizing, so if let's say I have a tablecloth and I want to shake it out. And it has food on it. Well, like, it has crumbs. Like, I guess that's... I don't, I don't know if crumbs would, well, would, would do fruit. fruit for so there is, like, some sort of... No, right. Well, right, so seeds will be zorea, potentially. Water will be zorea if you had liquid on there. But those are all... Like, like, um, I don't know, peels up. Would that actually... Clementines. Would that I actually... People use that as, like... It's yeah? It's I mean, like... So, again, I guess question is where is it going to end up? If we'll just sit on top of the ground, probably won't do anything. Right. Right? Yeah, it does. Just from sitting I mean, on top, yeah, saying it just break, it breaks down, yeah. and that. But I think it's only if you cover it, right? Because otherwise, the animals eat it. It's interesting, actually. The halacha, which we'll, we'll get mentioned later on in Zorea, that if you put seeds out in a place where their animals are, and the assumption is it takes three days for them to take root, and as long as you can assume the animals will eat before that time, it's okay. So I guess. Yeah, you, the assumption is they eat every seed. It's like the case of the Gemara is the case of chickens, where the chickens, they find every last seed and they don't miss anything. So if it was something over here where you can assume the animals will eat, it will be okay, if you can assume that. Not, like, let's say I'm outside eating like, those pizza things. So like, the shells, 
To the child. They're biodegrade, right? Yeah. I think, yeah okay. Right? I don't know if animals eat those. No, they don't. So they that's don't. my question. Right. Like it's something right. that could technically over time break down and maybe right. fertilize the so, soil. So again, it depends on what the maybe is. Is it a maybe or is it a for sure? Because that would be back to Pesachratia. Right. I don't know enough about biochemistry to mm-hmm. know exactly what would happen. Right. But that, that, that's a good point. You know, certainly to shake it out. Something you, you know, know that wasn't my intent. Right, if it's a Pesachratia. If it's a Pesachratia that comes back to this. That's where this rule of Pesachratia right. keeps, keeps coming back to because my intention wasn't to end at all. I don't care about fertilizing the ground now. But if that's a situation that will happen as a result, that's going to be an issue. So I don't I just have to ask someone who understands how fertilization works. Will taking, let's say, those seeds, throwing them in the ground, is that a situation that's going to actually fertilize the ground and enhance the soil? If the answer is yes, then that will be an issue to shake them onto the ground. And could part of it be that, like, it's 90% sure they won't, they won't even stay around long enough to... Degrade. Yeah, if, if it won't, yeah, if it won't... Yeah, like in other the words, wind will blow it away or... Right, like, right. If it's not, if it's, yeah, so if it's... Likely, and it's not a ninety percent chance that it's going to stay. Uh-huh. I mean, all you need is a ten percent chance they'll get blow away. Animal yeah, eat it. Okay, so that's all depends on what, what may happen to it. It all goes into the equation of what could or may happen to it. I have to, it has to be for sure or close to for sure that's going to actually cause some sort of enhancing of the ground. If it's not right, it's, could I sweep it after shabbos? Meaning, like it's not going to degrade that quickly. So if I know that. Okay, so that's a good question, which really gets into similar questions. Zorea, could you throw a seed and then pick it up after Shabbos? Like, is it re- retroactive? Right, is it retroactively undo that? So it, it's really a, v- a very uh, interesting question, the halacha. So we'll, we'll get to it from Zorea. Over here, if you knew for sure that you'd take it before Shabbos, before it actually enhanced the ground, that will be okay. But Zorea actually might be worse, which we'll get to it's a shame, probably next time. But you know, there's, there's, over here, it's okay. So that's a good point. If you can sweep it up after Shabbos and make sure it never actually enhances the ground, just in case it would, that would be okay. That would be okay. okay. Okay, maybe we'll just touch upon Zoraya, which is the second malacha. We'll just start that, and we'll continue it next time. So Zoraya is obviously the next step of the process, which is doing anything to help or enhance growth. Generally, it's by dropping a seed in, but way beyond that, anything, part of the process that's enhanced, including obviously watering, means just pouring a drop of water onto the ground, is included in Zorea. It's planting. It's not actually the first step of the planting process, which is the seed, but it's in helping or enhancing the planting process. Now this is a question that we just touched upon, is when does the planting process actually start? It's a very interesting question in Zorea in particular. Meaning that put a seed into the ground, it doesn't begin to grow right away, or it does somewhat, but it doesn't act, the process doesn't, you're not going to see any roots for sure happening right away. And the Gemara says it takes three days till the actual real Zorea process begins. Therefore, if you pull the seed out before three days, you would seemingly be undoing the malach of Zorea, retroactively undoing it. That's one way of looking at Zorea, that nothing happens till three days. At three days is when it kicks in. So it turns out very interesting. If I put a seed in it on Shabbos, I'm not going to know if I violated the malach until Tuesday. That's what, that's what should come out, or really Monday, it's Shabbos, Sunday, Monday, it's really Monday. Right, so it's the third day, so the third, sorry, it's three full days, so it's Shabbos to Sunday, sorry, so Tuesday, three full days, so it's not the third, the three full days, so Tuesday, you're not going to know until Tuesday, did you violate the Malachah or not, because to all that point, it may be undone. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is that, no, is you violate the Malachah right away. Zorea is as soon as you put it into the ground. As soon as it was done at the ground, that's already going to be an issue. And 
It's true. It takes three days till it's actually will take effect. But the malacha is the the act of putting into the ground whether anything happens or not. That act itself is considered zareya. And this is two ways of the poskim look at it. Do we say zareya happens right away? Just the the effect of it won't take place for three days, or no? Zareya doesn't actually take place till three days later. One very practical difference in these two ways of looking at it. A person by mistake eating outside, and they drop a seed, a watermelon seed, on the ground. Now, I'm not sure if will that actually take root or not, but it may, may take root. Can a person, and should a person, pick it up now? Okay, so maybe a mox issue, so that you can avoid, so maybe you kick it with your foot, other ways of doing it. Let's so you can avoid the mox issue. Should I pick it up? It means what's the reason why I should? Maybe if I pick it up or knock it out of the ground, then I'm stopping the process of Zorea. And therefore, what I just did wrong potentially is now undone. Maybe that's the best thing to do. On the other hand, if Zorea took place immediately, that means immediately there was Zorea, then maybe taking it out is called Kotzer. Kotzer is the opposite of Zorea. Undoing Zorea's Kotzer, is, which is harvesting or stopping the growth, and that's already an issue. So the postcom discussed what should a person do if a seed falls on the ground? And really, the best thing is to leave it there then. You cannot pick it up then, because again, if you go with the latter way of, of looking at it, Zorea takes place immediately, and as soon as the action was done, it's considered planted, even though the effect didn't happen, and picking it up there for is considered Kotzer. So picking it up on Shabbos is not permissible, but a person should pick it up on Sunday, Matzah Shabbos. Why? Because this way, at least according to, the, according to one way, nothing to do. It happened already, it was done, nothing to be done. But at least according to the other way of looking at it, Zorea doesn't really kick in until day three, which will be first on Tuesday. Therefore, if before Tuesday you undo it, it actually undid whatever was done. Again, it was done inadvertently. You didn't do it on purpose. It was dropped by mistake. Whatever was done by mistake was being undone. And therefore, that's actually the bottom line halach is that something happens by mistake on Shabbos. It should be undone after Shabbos, not on Shabbos. And this would be a general uh, concept in terms of seeds. If a seed does fall on the ground on Shabbos or you see it on the ground to kick it, or to remove, remove it from the place where it's growing is not going to be permissible because of this way of looking at it. Maybe it's considered growing immediately, Zorea immediately, and therefore once you wait until after Shabbos to do anything on that seed to avoid getting to the issue of Kotzer, which would be the undoing of Zorea.